We've got State Representative Tim Butler joining us on the phone on this eve of Christmas Eve. Uh, here on 92.7, 94.7, and 970 AM at 713. Representative, thanks for taking time with us this morning. Are you all set for the holidays? I think so. Um, pretty quiet for us uh, around the holidays uh, this year, obviously. Um, so, yeah, but I think... Um, I think I have everything off my list and ready to go, so it's good. Well, good to hear. Um, all right, so let's get right into it. Of course, uh, the legislature's really largely been absent. Uh, I crunched the numbers, and I think uh, there were like 60 scheduled days for the legislature this year. Uh, you guys only met 18 of those. I think that means like 70% of the days were canceled. Uh, even the fall veto session was canceled. Um there's now a push for some to allow for some kind of remote legislating. Uh, what's the current status for the House and the Senate? If you know, of course, you're in the House, not in the Senate. But what's the current status of allowing for remote um, anything? And what would the proposal, from your understanding, do to possibly change that? Sure. This is something that, that the Democrats tried to push through through legislation this spring, it failed in the House, which means it didn't. There wasn't any change in statute. So, you know, we have we have both constitutional and statutory requirements regarding how we meet and where we meet. So, we, you know, by by statute, we're we're supposed to meet in the seat of government, so Springfield. So, what the what the the Senate did was actually change the rules, the Senate rules this spring, that allowed them to do some remote uh, participation. So, remote committees, virtual committees. And then also allow people to to vote um, in session remotely um, as long as there was a quorum present in the chamber in Springfield. So the house didn't the house didn't do anything to, to change any actions. And I was you know I kind of led the charge against it in the spring because you know this was a typical um, maneuver by the majority where you know they didn't give us any heads up on it. They did this wasn't anything that we really negotiated or discussed. They decided to pop this in there at the last minute in the you know the four days we were in session in May and try to jam it through. This is something in my mind that we need to talk about. All 177 legislators need to have input on this, and the public needs to have input on this. If we're going to do it, I'm not I'm not completely opposed to the idea because obviously we've seen what happened in the House without the ability to meet, you know, remotely. That the the speaker has decided that he's not going to get together at all. So we you know the the Outside of the special investigating committee, which had three hearings, and then the, the the committee hearing that was scheduled on the LaSalle Veterans Home last week, you know, we, we've had we, other than those four, four hearings, we haven't had any hearings, and there's been no oversight whatsoever of, of the governor's the governor's you know response to the pandemic. So, um, well, and, and, know, ba- we'll and, ba- and back to the issue in the spring in the May session that you guys had only three days uh, spilling just a little bit into the fourth day. Um, just, you know, what, last week or the week before, State Representative Chris Welch, after that special investigating committee, blasted Republicans and said it was Republicans' fault for not allowing that to advance. You guys are in the super minority. Um, what does that say about the the Democratic supermajority in the House and them not able to get that through? Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's funny any time that the supermajority Democrats or the governor criticizes the Republicans that uh, for reasons why things don't advance. That's just ludicrous to make that argument. Let's remind everybody where we're at in Illinois. It's supermajority Democrats in both chambers of the legislature. Uh, the Democrats have every constitutional office in Illinois 
uh, and they have a majority of the congressional delegation as well. So to, to blame things on Republicans is just ridiculous. Uh, what happened this spring, why remote legislating didn't go through, is that we, the Republicans, raised some valid points, and we had Democrats support us in those thoughts. Many members of the Black Caucus supported us in not having remote legislating this spring. So I think what Representative Williams introduced the other day, and I've had a lot of discussions with her, I get along with Representative Williams very well, um, would, would allow for remote legislating. But I think there's a lot of things that need to be answered. Decorum, uh, if, you know, can somebody, some, you know, what happens on if somebody's screen isn't on and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered on this, and hopefully we can answer those. But, you know, I mean, this is this is a big deal, and I, I think we have to, you know, we, it's, not, it's not something that can be pushed through just in the middle of the night. It's something that we have to have debate and, and have good input on. We're talking with State Representative Tim Butler here on the WMAY Morning News Feed at 717. I'm Greg Bishop, Chris Murphy in the newsroom. And Representative, looking at the Democratic caucus right now, I don't know if anybody's got the votes to be Speaker of the House. Uh, if they, we have to go into the legislative session without a Speaker, how is that going to hinder what we try to get done this spring? Yeah, we, uh, the, the, the House cannot move forward with anything unless there's a speaker elected. And usually how it works is we, we assemble the, uh, the new General Assembly gets sworn in the second Wednesday in January, which would be the 13th of January in 21. Um, and the first order of business is after everybody gets sworn in as, as a member of the General Assembly, the first thing we do is take a vote on speaker. And usually it's, it's a formality where the Democrats fall in line with Speaker Madigan, as they've done for almost the last 40 years. Um, but this year, obviously, you know, if people are seeing what's going on, the speaker doesn't have the votes. Uh, I, I would, I would hazard a guess that Leader Durkin, with the 45 votes from the House Republican Caucus, might have more votes than anybody else <laughs> running for speaker right now. Um, so this is something, obviously, the Democrats are going to have to figure out. Uh, there's 19 and now 20, I think, with Representative Walker seemed to come out yesterday saying that there's no way Madigan will be speaker. You know they've they've got almost you know uh, you know twenty members of their own caucus that are they're saying Madigan's not going to they they've got to get their house in order and get things worked out as to as to what's going to happen and and the speakers the speakers hanging on he he's he's not facing reality in the fact that he can't be reelected speaker and he needs to he needs to face reality. Representative, uh, you've been around the Capitol for a while, um, having myself covered it the past uh, six or seven years, being on the ground, especially in those final few hours of the legislative session, and uh, the amount of pressure uh, that uh, the Speaker seems to build uh, with with how he advances legislation or when he advances legislation and the scheduling of this, that, and the other. Uh, how do you feel that 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 tactic, that pressure tactic that, uh, um, you know, seems to be from the speaker. Uh, how do you think that's going to bear down in that decision? The first vote for the house, uh, is it going to be weeks? Is it going to be days? Is it going to be hours? Uh, how much pressure do you think some of the colleagues on the other side of the aisle, uh, can take? I mean, here we are, December 23rd. Uh, I have a hard time believing that, um, the Democrats are, are going to figure out, who their next speaker is going to be over the holidays. Uh, and then you've got, you know, once you get past, the, you know, New Year's Day, you've got less than two weeks to, to figure this out. I think there's going to be immense pressure on the Democrats every day that goes by that there's no clear path forward on this. And I think the speaker, I think, I believe the speaker 
is going to try to hold out because he thinks he can flip some of these people that have said um, they're not going to vote for him. I don't believe that's the case. In my discussions with some of these members, there's no way they're going to flip back on this. And if they do flip back on this, they're they're done politically, I think. So, you know, this this is this is a huge stalemate. I think the pressure will mount. And I think, again, that the speaker, the speaker needs to realize the fact that his time is up. I mean, it's it's as it's as simple as that. His own caucus is telling him that he that they don't want him to be speaker anymore. So, you know, it's it's time to move on. And I think the sooner that the speaker realizes that and that the House can move forward in some other fashion, the, the better for for the House. But I think the speaker is going to hold out for a while. And then, you know, who knows how long it, it could get resolved by January 13th. It could go, you know, uh, days after or even weeks after. We just we just don't know at this point. With that, uh, if you uh, in the House uh, are able to surmount that obstacle, um, as somebody in the super minority, uh, what are your goals? What are your uh, New Year's resolutions uh, heading into the uh, hundred and what is this? The hundred and second General Assembly now. Hundred second General Assembly. I think you know number one is we need to uh, continue. Uh, well, we have to have oversight of the response to the pandemic. Number one, the legislature needs to step up. And start holding the governor and his administration responsible on a wide variety of fronts when it's response to the pandemic. Secondly, we need to we need to figure out economically how we can move this state forward post pandemic and make sure that we get this economy back on its feet again. We've devastated the economy in Illinois through through many of the economic measures we've taken. We've we've gutted industries, especially in the in the the uh, services industry, especially the restaurant and and hospitality industry have really been gutted and we need a good plan going forward i mean we need to we need to work together to have a plan for this to make sure that our economy is moving forward and the response to it is is good i mean that that has to be at the top of our list also we've got to figure out this budget mess that the democrats have put us in uh, they, they passed a wildly out of balance budget this year we've got a four billion dollar budget hole to fill the governor's talking about furloughs and budget cuts and all this kind of stuff and again, he's blaming Republicans for this when it's when it's the supermajority Democrats that passed this budget and enacted it uh, when we told them it was a fantasy budget. So, I mean, there's there's a lot on our plate going into the next General Assembly, that's for sure. Well, and on top of that, too, we just got uh, the latest census data showing that uh, Illinois um, population loss around 80,000 just in one year, 255,000, I think it was, for the past 10 years. Um, what are the causes of that? And is, are the majority Democrats going to... Uh, just not address the population decline, leading the nation here in Illinois. Yeah, I think I, you know I think the reason for that is very simple. People people moved for economic opportunities. That's why they move. Some people move because they want to retire and go to a place where the weather's nicer. But I think the real driver of the change in our in the decline in our population in Illinois is economic opportunity. People are moving to states that is better for business with better economic opportunity. And the, the sooner we realize that, I think I think we as Republicans realize that. I think the Democrats live in a world that that doesn't recognize that largely. And the sooner we we realize that we need to unleash business to be able to create good jobs for the people of Illinois, which in turn would help revenues coming into the state because if we have a larger tax base to 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 draw from from, then it's gonna it's gonna help the the coffers of Illinois without raising taxes. And, but the Democrats are, are focused solely on raising taxes. That's, their, that's the only answer to it. They don't, they don't even think about economic development. They think only about raising taxes as, as the issue. 
And obviously, people are, are voting with their feet and they're moving to other states for economic opportunity. That's that's what's happened. Representative Tim Butler, um, it's all the time we got today. But of course, uh, we'll be talking, of course, in the weeks ahead and the months ahead as the new General Assembly gets seated. Have a great holiday. Merry Christmas. And if we don't talk before the new year, happy new year. You two guys, I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to everybody. Hopefully it's a, a great holiday for everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Tim.